The Spectator magazine combines incisive political analysis with books and arts reviews of unrivaled authority. Subscribe today for just £12 and receive a 12-week subscription in print and online, plus a £20 Amazon gift voucher, absolutely free. Go to spectator.co.uk forward slash voucher. Welcome to Holy Smoke, the Spectator's religion podcast. I'm Damien Thompson. This is a terrible and traumatic week for the American Catholic Church, whose Bishops' Conference is visibly falling apart. The US Conference of Bishops is due to meet next month to discuss the whole question of the Eucharist, including the question of whether it's appropriate for politicians who actively support abortion to receive Holy Communion. The meeting isn't charged with producing a final statement, a final document on this extremely sensitive question, but it was expected, with the encouragement of the Vatican's Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith, to begin the discussions. And those discussions couldn't possibly avoid the question of whether it's appropriate for the President of the United States Joe Biden, a radically pro-choice Catholic, to receive communion, as he does every week. But now, suddenly, three cardinals in the US Conference of Bishops, including two who are ideologically very close to Biden, are trying to get the subject dropped for the agenda. And they've mustered the support of 60 American bishops, who've written to the president of the conference, Archbishop Gomez of Los Angeles, saying that the serious nature of these issues especially the imperative to forge substantive unity, makes it impossible to address them productively in the fractured and isolated setting of a distance meeting, because it's being held remotely. In other words, let's drop the subject of President Biden receiving communion, and indeed the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, another regular communicant who strongly opposes Catholic teaching on abortion. Now, 60 bishops might sound like a lot, but there are in fact 290 active American bishops. And I think we can assume from their failure to sign the letter that most of the other 230 do want to proceed with this debate. But if they do, it will be against the wishes of some fairly powerful people. Cardinal Blaise Supich, the left-wing Archbishop of Chicago. Cardinal Wilton Gregory who as Archbishop of Washington is effectively Biden's bishop while he's in the White House. And, more surprisingly, Cardinal Sean O'Malley of Boston, who, unlike Cupich and Gregory, doesn't have the reputation of being a cheerleader for the present administration. News of this piece of arm-twisting by Cupich, I think we can assume he's the major player in this, he's close to Francis and he sits on the Congregation for Bishops, was broken this week by the influential Catholic website The Pillar. Now, it was the pillar that revealed back in January that on the day of Biden's inauguration, Supich managed to get Rome to suppress a statement given by Archbishop Gomez, which welcomed the new president, but registered grave concern at some of the opinions he held. This public humiliation of Archbishop Gomez didn't go down well with his fellow bishops, who, like everyone else, are well aware that he's been denied a cardinal's hat, apparently simply on account of his orthodox opinions. He's been a very successful Archbishop of Los Angeles and, incidentally, would have been America's first Hispanic Cardinal. And on Tuesday, the row went nuclear. Archbishop Salvatore Cordelione of San Francisco 
who's extremely keen to clean up the chaotic mess surrounding the whole question of American politicians, abortion and communion, told the pillar that the letter from the 60 bishops to Gomez was part of an attempt to circumvent conference procedures and free discussion among the US bishops. I'm really alarmed at this move, he said, and I cannot tell you how aggrieved this makes me feel. Interestingly, the pillar also speculated that some of the 60 signatories were auxiliaries to pro-Biden bishops, and they probably had their own arms twisted to sign it. Meanwhile, it's hard to overestimate the anger with which this latest move has been greeted by large numbers of American priests, by no means all of them traditionalists. One priest told me this week, it feels like we're being herded into some sort of American equivalent of the Chinese Patriotic Association, in which the first requirement of Catholic teaching is that it shouldn't conflict with the ideological agenda of the government. The truth is that this bitter controversy raises the question, an unthinkable question until recently, of whether Catholic teaching on abortion is subtly changing. To understand why that's a possibility, it's necessary to grasp a very important point, one that's almost never addressed by Biden's many supporters in the liberal Catholic media. Joe Biden has been equivocally pro-choice for decades, but now, over the last couple of years, he's moved to a much more radical position. It's the position of the progressives who now control the Democratic Party, and if he hadn't assented to it, then he wouldn't have got the nomination. This pro-choice position supports abortion up to birth, on demand, for any reason. All restrictions are effectively removed by stating that the mother's health can be damaged psychologically if she goes through with a pregnancy that she doesn't want to have, and she has the right to terminate it at any point. Now, this is a secular podcast, and I'm well aware that some listeners will take that position themselves. That said, let's bear in mind that many of these very late-term abortions are illegal under British law, and many British supporters of abortion rights, as they call it, would be very uncomfortable if they were made legal. We could discuss the technicalities, but actually there's really no need to, because it's obvious that Biden's position on abortion is 100% opposed to the Catholic position on abortion. As president, he will take executive action to facilitate these last-minute terminations. And the teaching of the Catholic Church states unequivocally that that makes him guilty of grave sin. Now, if you're not a Catholic or a Christian with pro-life views, I suppose that's neither here nor there. But President Biden is, as we're constantly reminded by his friends in the media, a, quote, devout Catholic. And the Catholic Church is, or was, quite clear that if you're in a state of grave sin, then you can't receive Holy Communion. But responsibility for implementing that policy lies with the local bishop. And for many years, decades in fact, many American bishops have given communion to pro-choice politicians. When asked why they did so, they tended to give evasive answers, but actually, I think their dilemma was understandable. A bishop or a priest distributing communion at Mass would find himself suddenly confronted by a politician, and unless they knew their voting record in considerable detail, they weren't going to risk such a spectacular public rebuke on the steps of the sanctuary. But then the situation gradually changed. The Democratic Party effectively declared war on pro-life Catholic politicians in its ranks. It was made clear to ambitious Catholic Democrats that they must adopt a relatively hardline pro-choice position. And they did, hoping that Catholic bishops would continue to turn a blind eye. To cut a long story short, some did, some didn't, and chaos ensued. 
When the pro-choice Catholic John Kerry ran for President of the United States in 2004, the Conservative Archbishop, now Cardinal Burke of St. Louis, said on no account should he receive communion, but Kerry's own bishop, now Cardinal O'Malley of Boston, having previously said that pro-choice politicians should not receive communion, did nothing. Let's look at the case of Joe Biden. When he ran for vice president in 2008, the bishop of his hometown of Scranton, Pennsylvania, said he wasn't welcome to receive communion there. But of course, Biden was in Delaware and Washington, D.C. No problem there. And one reason there wasn't a problem in D.C. was that Cardinal Theodore McCarrick decided to quietly smother Benedict XVI's decision that politicians who actively supported abortion couldn't receive the sacrament. McCarrick's successors, Cardinal Donald Wuerl and now Cardinal Wilton Gregory, were similarly relaxed. And that's not surprising, because both Wuerl and Gregory were protégés and good friends of the now-disgraced Uncle Ted. And like all the members of the McCarrick circle, they'd always rather see a Democrat in the White House and were uncomfortably aware that Archbishop Burke's stern line on John Kerry in communion may have cost Kerry crucial votes. They could always point out, in private at least, that although a majority of American Catholics are broadly pro-life, many of them, including weekly churchgoers, don't subscribe to the Catholic Church's absolute and total ban on abortion in all circumstances. So they were happy for the confusion to continue. But it couldn't, for two reasons. The first is that, as American congregations dwindle, the most active and committed Catholics are very strongly pro-life. The second is that, as I mentioned before, Biden has now taken up a position on abortion which places him well to the left, if you like, of the entire American public. And that doesn't give Catholic bishops much room for manoeuvre. It's one thing to give communion to a politician who says, look, I don't like abortion but I'm going to vote for it to be legal in certain circumstances because I think the alternatives are worse. It's quite another to give the sacrament to somebody who, like Biden, thinks there should be no restrictions at all on abortion and moreover is planning to remove certain constitutional protections from public employees, Catholics or otherwise, who refuse to be associated in any way with the provision of abortion. Honestly, you might as well give communion to planned parenthood. And most of the American bishops realise this, I think. Biden, by adopting his Vice President Kamala Harris's, in Catholic terms, extremist position on abortion, has effectively boxed them into a corner. And there's also the McCarrick factor. They're now remembering that the American cardinal who did most to campaign for the right of pro-abortion politicians to receive communion was the serial sex abuser Mr. Theodore McCarrick, as he now is. Hence the outrage at the appearance of a letter supported by McCarrick's former close friend Wilton Gregory telling them not to discuss the subject. These latest furious comments from Archbishop Cordelieri in particular make one wonder why it's so important to Cardinals Supic and Gregory that pro-abortion politicians are allowed to receive communion. It's difficult to believe that their views are essentially theological. We're not talking about the question of whether divorced and remarried Catholics can receive communion, a subject on which many liberal Catholics truly have passionate theological views. It's hard to escape the conclusion that this particular controversy is about politics. On abortion, President Biden has adopted the views of a liberal metropolitan elite, a global elite indeed, with whose general worldview the liberal faction in the Bishops' Conference is completely in sympathy. When it comes to abortion, however, there is disagreement. 
though how much disagreement isn't really clear these days. What is clear is that inside this faction, and indeed inside the Vatican, there's a general drift towards prioritising politics over doctrine. That is the same drift that's led the Anglican Church and other mainstream Protestant denominations to adopt the secular consensus wholesale. It hasn't done anything to reverse the decline of these denominations, rather the opposite, but it has annoyed traditionalists. And, as I've said before, one of the great slogans of the Pontificate of Francis is My enemy's enemy is my friend. The Pope himself illustrated this when, earlier this month, he met the Argentinian president, Alberto Fernandez, whose left-wing Peronist government has legalised abortion. Francis, himself a left-wing Peronist and apparently quite a fan of Fernandez, didn't even raise the subject, and one has to wonder whether he's that keen on the American bishops raising the subject, given that Francis is also quite a fan of Joe Biden's. On the matter of abortion, this Pope seems to blow hot and cold, but mostly cold. He'll occasionally make a very strongly pro-life statement. But generally speaking, it seems far less important to him than the subject of climate change, for example. He's the first Pope since abortion became a matter of public controversy in the West not to spend much time defending the Church's historic position. And it really is historic. An insistence on the sanctity of life in the womb was one of the things that distinguished Christianity from other religions in the early years of the Church. This new indifference to the views of politicians on abortion, therefore, has profound consequences. No one expects the Catholic Church to endorse abortion, but could its teaching on the subject become effectively a dead letter? The Church will essentially be saying to Catholics, well, we don't approve of the termination of pregnancies, but if you do, well, who are we to judge? And if that happens, if the Church basically surrenders to the secular agenda on this question, won't the Catholic Church have effectively taken on much of the identity of a liberal Protestant denomination? At this stage, we can't say. But if next month the US Catholic Conference of Bishops allows itself to be silenced on this question, then we'll have a much better idea. But that won't be an end to the matter. Because, as I mentioned earlier, the most active and committed Catholics these days tend to be very orthodox on the subject of unborn life and its sanctity. They will not be told to effectively recognise the legitimacy of Joe Biden's views, even by the Vatican. Many of them would rather see a great schism in the Catholic Church than raise this particular white flag. The American bishops next month have an opportunity to avert, or at least delay, the moment of schism. If they make it clear overwhelmingly that they're not prepared to give communion to rabidly pro-choice politicians, then I don't think Rome will push them into doing so. But if they dig their heels in, then they'll certainly annoy a President of the United States who's intimately connected to liberal elements in the hierarchy, and, rather shockingly you might think, perhaps the Pope as well. In other words, after many, many years of just hoping that this particular controversy would go away, they finally have to make up their minds. Principles or politics? Which is it to be? Mm -hmm.